Hello and welcome to the Anchor Faith Message Podcast. Enjoy this message. Grow in the grace, right? I like when he says test limits, right? It takes exercise in order for you to increase in the grace of God. And I love this because uh, the symbolism is he had to practice in private before he came in public. He had to figure out what was on the inside of him. You need the growing grace is really individually you growing and learning and experiencing God on a daily basis. It's you uh, learning how to get sickness off of your body. It's you learning how to walk in prosperity. It's you learning how to praise through any situation. It's you learning how to meditate on the word of God. How are you going to go minister to others if you don't practice in private? And God's saying tonight, grow in that grace. Test the limits. We serve a wonderful God who wants to do great things in your life, but you need to get this thing to operate on a daily basis, and the word does the work. We need to grow in the grace of God. Man, test the limits. When it comes to the exercising in the physical arena, you know, we have to push ourselves. That's why spotters and a trainer's good. Why? Because sometimes, just like he was trying to figure out what's on the inside of me, some of you trying to figure out what's on the inside of me, Lord. And God said, I put a lot on the inside of you. Let's operate in faith and get over in the anointing and see what we can do together. And sometimes, though, when we're isolating by ourselves, just like at the gym, when you try to work out by yourself, you may get stuck. And all you need sometimes, it's amazing, like on the bench press, uh, for those of you that have done that exercise, um, sometimes when you get halfway up, all you need is two fingers from a spotter to tap you through that sticking point. You're a lot closer than you think. So you don't despise the day of small beginnings. And if you, even if you fall down, you know, fall forward. I like it because when he takes off, he's trying to learn. I got this ability on the inside of me, but I don't quite know how to operate in all the power yet. And so he, he said, man, there's something. I, I, I know it. I sense it. My father, my father, because in this, he's, my father's telling me this, right? And what's our father telling us? But he tries to take off and all of a sudden, no, 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 right? He starts to fall. Well, the Bible says a just man falls, but he gets back up again. So even if you didn't get it to work last year, get it to work in 2021. Don't despise a day of small beginnings. Romans 5, 17 says, for if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. So in this growing grace, God's wanting you uh, daily to grow in this grace so that publicly he can put you on the scene. God puts no unproven merchandise on his market. There's a test that he will take you through. Right? And in stages, as you're faithful and humble, God will elevate you. King David uh, epitomized this, you know, started in obscurity. Nobody knew him, knew there was a call in his life, but was faithful and humble. And then I like when you get over in First Chronicles 17, when he's at the, the pinnacle and the prime, um, you know, and he's, he's really uh, ran almost his 40-year journey as a king of Israel, he said, who am I but just a servant? I, I'm just amazed, God, at what you've done with my life, looking back. And so my prayer for you tonight is when you look back, you know, decades from now, God, only you brought me this far. It, it wasn't just, it wasn't me. Yeah, I'm, I'm cooperating with you, but it was by your grace, through your anointing that you've brought me this far. So let's move on to tonight's um, 
definitions of grace. We're going to talk about two uh, definitions of grace, a giving grace and a favor grace. So we're training for reigning. We're going to call this the scepter of the king. So when it comes to giving grace, there is a general principle in the word of God that everybody should give. You know, God uh, expects us as a believer to give, right? God so loved the world that he gave, all right? Uh, Now, giving, I'm specifically talking about, I mean, there's time, there's talent. You can give of your time. You can give of your talent, which we'll talk more about that next week, the gift of grace. But you also give of your treasure, which is your resources. And so everybody has a responsibility uh, if you want to walk in the kingdom of God and experience his economic blessing in your life uh, to give. You know, the Bible talks about tithe and offering. Jesus brought it up in the gospel of Matthew. Malachi talks about, you know, if you bring your tithe and offering into the storehouse, that God will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there won't be room enough to receive. So everybody should give. Right? But there is also a giving grace. You know, there's the word profit in the Bible. And 1 Corinthians 14 says that a a simple gift of prophecy is edification, exhortation, and comfort. So in in essence, everybody could prophesy because you got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. But that doesn't make you a prophet because there's a difference in office. There's a different grace for that. And if you're really operating in the office of of a prophet, there's certain gifts of the spirit you'll be manifesting, right? And so, you know, a word of knowledge, a word of uh, wisdom and a discerning of spirits. But everybody can prophesy. Well, everybody should give, right? But there's certain individuals within the church that have a giving grace on them. Now, let me go to a general principle on giving. We're going to find this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm not going to read both chapters in the entirety, but... Both of these chapters really talk about giving. This is New Testament, right? Written to the church. This is an epistle Paul wrote to to the Corinthian church. I just want to highlight a a couple verses, and you can go back as a homework assignment and read both of these chapters in the entirety to get everything in context. But 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 7 says, But as you abound in everything. So we're talking about growing grace, right? We're supposed to abound uh, in, our, in our private life, in this grace that God's given us and be a steward of it. But he says, as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. So remember, in context, he's talking about giving, finances. Now, if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 7 through 10, The Bible says this, so let each one of us give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound. We're talking about giving grace. We saw saving grace, growing grace. This is a giving grace. God's able to make you abound in this grace that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food supply and multiply 
the seed you have sown and increase the fruit of your righteousness. So there's a giving grace, right? As you operate in this grace, God's able to make, make it abound more in your life, right? So that you can abound and have more enough for every good work. Now, some things in this verse are seed and some things are bread. So I was reading the book of Joshua today for uh, my devotional. It was interesting. I was reading through Joshua and, and when they conquered Jericho, he said, don't touch any of the spoils. Everything's supposed to come back to the house of the Lord. Everything. One person, one person took of the spoil. And because of that, the whole nation was weakened. And then they went to, to fight a little town with about 3,000. They said, we'll just take 3,000 soldiers to Ai. Jericho was easy. That was a massive town. We'll just go to Ai and we're going to defeat them. Didn't even really ask God. But when they went to try to defeat them, 36 people died. And they got them on the run. And they said, God, what happened? He said, one person didn't do what I said and affected everybody. And Pastor Marcy just talked about this on, on Sunday. Coming into unity. You know, in our confession, coming into unity in, in the love of God and the love of one another, right? Coming into unity and giving. What would, it, what would it look like if all the church came unified to give? What could we do in this community? What could we do in this nation? And what could we do in this world? But you know, God cares about you as you give seed. Guess what? He's going to give you bread. So at AI, you know what God said? He said, y'all blew it, but thank God they, they removed the wickedness. And he said, get back up. We're going back in. Here's the strategy. He said, now, when you conquer AI, you can keep stuff. It's, for your, it's bread for your house. So some was seed, some was bread, but there's a grace. And God's, when you're working that grace, you're going to have more than enough for every good work. You know, a pastoral said this, you know, it's the hose gets wet too. And a giver is nothing but a, has a flow to your life, right? And as you give, it'll be given back to you. So I want to look at two people in Scripture that operated specifically in this giving grace. Before I get there, though, I want to give you um, the context of giving grace because there's some individuals in the body of Christ. Everybody can give and experience the blessing of God in giving, but some individuals are graced for business. That's their domain. That's their dominion. That's the place that God's called them to in an assignment in the earth. So to get everything straight, there's some parallel passages I'm going to give you. Then I'm going to go to Romans chapter 12. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 30. And you can just take a note on that. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 30. Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 7 through 11. These both just abound with the assignments that God has given to the body of Christ. Because these are body of Christ scriptures. And the, and the roles, the destiny uh, that his sons and his daughters have in the earth. So 1 Corinthians 12 gives a big, big picture. It just talks about your body has many members. So Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is just saying uh, that your body has many members, just like there's many members and many personalities within the body of Christ. He said, but we're, we're all need, we're supposed to be unified. You can't say, Paul even said in this, in 1 Corinthians 12, you know, you can't say to your foot, I don't have need of you. 
No, it's significant. If you stub your toe in the middle of the night as you're getting up to go to the restroom, you know, that affects your whole body, right? My wife one time stubbed her toe on a, it was a coffee table or something. And the thing was sideways, dislocated it and it hurt her little pinky toe. And thank God for the body of Christ. One of our medical people in the body of Christ came over and I watched it kind of lifted it up, dropped it back in place. But it hurts when we're not in our assignment. Praise God. So that's what 1 Corinthians 12 talks about. Ephesians chapter 4 says there's a grace given, um, if you read that. But it talks about the fivefold ministry. And those God has called in the body of Christ to be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, pastor. They're called to the full-time ministry. That's uh, how they make their living. They're actually um, supported, right? Um, And we'll get more into this when it comes to the giving grace by the church. But then in Romans chapter 12... This is another parallel passage. It just identifies assignments within the body of Christ. For uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, the Bible says this, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them, exercise them, go past the burn. Last week I talked to you about don't stopping at the burn. If you ever been to the gym and you get to a point where you're burning, don't let off. There's more strength on the other side. You're never going to develop the strength in your life if you don't learn how to pass uh, the point of the burn, right? And so that's, that's what makes you stronger is going through things in faith and developing your spiritual muscles and the grace that God has given to you. If you don't want to grow, then don't do anything. If you don't want to experience God's blessing, just don't do anything, right? So we are to grow in that grace, where to use these gifts. And then he goes on, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry, let us use it to our ministering. He who teaches and teaching. So he's, he's covering some specific assignments in the body. He who exhorts in exhortation. Now listen to this. He who gives with liberality. He who gives with liberality. So th- there's a grace to give. So the first case study I want to give you is from Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 40. I want to talk to you about a lady named Tabitha. And she was a female business entrepreneur. And she had a giving grace upon her life. And so you need to know this in the body of Christ, the Old Testament, uh, there was kings, the priest and the prophet, right? Now, we know that we're all kings and priests in the in the New Testament, but there's still assignments and the priests got the vision from God and the Old Testament. The kings would go out and they would they would conquer and get the spoil and bring it to fulfill the vision. They would bring the provision. Right. So the kings went out and this is what I like in 
kingdom businessmen or kingdom business women too, is you're going out in the marketplace every day into society and you're going out and you're bringing in the spoils, right? And you need the wisdom of God. You need the grace of God. You need the strategy from God on how to, how to overcome and to conquer in this territory, right? And how to increase your influence. Not only that, but you start to employ other people, right? So Tabitha in Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 40 says this, at Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works, full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. So this was part of her life. This wasn't just sometimes she was full of good works and charitable deeds. It happened those days that she became sick. She died. Uh, when they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. And since uh, Lydia was near Joppa, the disciples had heard that Peter was there, sent two men, imploring them not to delay in coming. Peter rose and went, and when he had come, they brought him to the upper room. And the widow stood by weeping, showing him the tunics and the garments that uh, Dorcas had made while she was with them. Listen, she was a female entrepreneur in the business of apparel. This is the old version of Vera Bradley. Of course, Peter put them all out, knelt down, prayed, turning the body, said, Tabitha, arise, she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. Now, Tabitha in the Greek means this. She's, she was a female gazelle. Well, call her blessed is Friday night. She was a female gazelle is what her name literally meant. But I got to thinking about that, Lord, in business, there's some principles we can learn from gazelle, the gazelles. They're graceful, first of all. All right? But gazelles can reach speeds up to 60 miles an hour in short bursts and sustain speeds of 30 to 40 miles per hour over sustained periods of time. And that's a thing called endurance. And when it comes to a giving grace, and if God has put that in, you got to have a thing called endurance, or we could say perseverance. You know, they say most small businesses fail in what? Three to five years. You got to endure and have a thing called, has God called you to do it or not? You can't be wishy-washy. You're never going to receive anything from God. James 1 says this, that a man who vacillates is going to be like the winds of the sea tossed to and fro. And Tabitha obviously had endurance. She had perseverance. And listen, there's some seasons where it seems like everything's coming together. There's some seasons where you're just grinding through it. But don't give up. Don't stop. Don't relent. If it's in your heart then you need to learn how to persevere. All right? Another thing about this, these, this female gazelle is she can stand on her back, uh, back legs to reach leave, uh, leaves in high places from the branches on the trees. And that's a thing that I call vision to get sustenance. She saw, okay, this is a little bit out of my reach. And some people that are called to business saying, Lord, you're stretching me a little bit. Yeah, but there's a thing called capacity in you. There's a thing called potential in you. And listen, decades down the road, you want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I put something on the inside of you. And there's a grace to do it. 
And th- th- even though it seems uh, hard to reach, listen, stretch this year. It's as simple as if God's put something in your heart, write a business plan in faith. Start saving something they call capital, which is cash. You know, it, it takes money to make money, right? Do something by faith. Don't despise five loaves and two fish because when Jesus saw that and they said, this is not enough. Oh, you don't know my father. He thanked God for what he had. He blessed it. He broke it. And he took the miracle. He saw the miracle take place. And it was enough to feed the multitude with leftovers. And so what's on the inside of you? You're going to need endurance in business. You're going to need vision in business. This isn't your vision. This is the vision that God's put on the inside of you. There's a lot of successful businessmen in the world, but we need to be successful businessmen or women in the word. In the word. I had a chance to sell cars right after Bible school uh, at Nelson Nissan Mazda. Their slogan is, we'll make a believer out of you. And Bobby Nelson, never forget, he knew his role. Matter of fact, people tried to get him to come minister. You know, that, that's sometimes what happens when you see a successful business person in the church. Uh, you know, they try to get you to, to start saying, hey, you're called to full-time ministry. Well, no, the grace upon him, the, the grace was for business. And he realized that. But his whole purpose in life, he was already well taken care of. He had plenty of bread. But he knew, man, I need to get, I'm, I have a giving grace. And I want to operate in it. And I remember when I was with him, I, I worked for him for um, four, four years. Used to have prayer meetings every Tuesday in his office. First prophecy I ever gave was in a car dealership in the owner's office. Now that's a work of God. But man, he said, I need to open up more businesses. Why? He said, there's more things to support. So he, he opened up a second Business. He had one in Broken Arrow, opened one up in Tulsa. Then he opened up another in Tennessee. I think last I heard he opened up another in California. So, he, But he said, man, the capacity's in me and this giving grace, and I want to operate in it. He was one of, uh, one of uh, only three people that solely supported one of uh, these missionaries in China um, that he actually had come and speak to the salesman when I was there. But he said, man, that's what I'm all about. So he supported his local church. He uh, supported missions work. But I remember listening to a story with him. He was called to it. um, And this is why you need a a business plan. This is why you need, even to start saving, this is why you need to get things in order, right? But he was uh, trying to expand the business. His dad had started it. He said, Lord, you've called me to do it. The parking lot was too small. There was a fence around it. He wanted to buy the property behind him. The bank said, you have not established yourself in credit. God said, you go out there, you take a sledgehammer. Now, this is why it's important to know what God's saying to you. And there was a fence that surrounded the property from the the property he wanted to buy behind it. He said, you go out there and you knock that fence down. The bank's telling him, we're not going to give you the loan to expand it. He needed more parking lot space. He needed more cars to sell. His uh, current lot can only hold so many cars. And this is where perseverance comes in, right? As you grow in business, guess what? There's different problems you're going to have to overcome, but God is with you to help you overcome them. So he took a, he took a sledgehammer, knocked the fence down. A few days later, the bank called and said, we've reconsidered. We're going to give you the loan. 
But it's just like that spiritual spot. He was right there, just one action in faith to grow. What if he would never hit the fence? The third thing about gazelles, and this is not that interesting, but they're highly social. <laughs> Makes me think back to my middle school years. You know, when the guys go to the bathroom, we go by ourselves. The girls go in a flock. But the principle we can extract of this lady, Tabitha, who sold tunics and garments, apparel. She was full of good works. She did charitable deeds. Uh, she was highly social. To be in business, you got to be around people. <laughs> if you don't like people, don't go into business. <laughs> so there was something about her, though, that she could network and connect. There was a grace upon her to make a connection in that in the business, you know, world to sell her products, right? The second person I want to look at when it comes to giving grace is found in the Old Testament. In 2 Samuel chapter 17, verses 27 through 29. 2 Samuel chapter 17, verses 27 through 29. Now it happened, and this is right in the middle of a David experiencing his own son become seditious with him and, and try to abdicate the throne. So Absalom's actually came into his, David's kingdom. He stole the hearts of the people. David's on the run. All right. Now it happened when David had come to uh, Mahanaim, that Shobai, the son of Nashosh and Rabbah of the people of Ammon, Machar, the son of Amiel from Lodabar, and Barzilla, the uh, Gildalite from Rogalim, brought beds. That's a lot to go through. <laughs> but I tried it. Listen to this. They brought beds and basins, earthen vessels and wheat, barley and flour, parched grain, beans, lentils, parched seeds, Honey encouraged sheep and cheese of the herd for David and the people were with him to eat. For they said the people are hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. Now, if you go over to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel 19, verses 31 through 32, it gives you just a little uh, insight into the Barzillia, which I'm mispronouncing. I listened to it today, but we're going to go with that. Um, it gives you a little more insight to his life. It says, when he came down and went across the Jordan with the king. So David's coming back after Absalom has been defeated. He's on the way back to the kingdom. And this man meets him, and he escorts him across the Jordan. Now, he, uh, Barzilla was very, a very aged man, 80 years old. And he had provided the king with supplies while he stayed at uh, Mahanaim, for he was very rich. So my question, how did this man become rich? Obviously, there was something he was operating in or selling to become very rich, right? So his name means this, my iron or man of iron. My iron or man of iron. So this man supplied David and his army. But he was very rich. So obviously, he was in some type of... Um, 
business or trade to create wealth and income, right? So listen, iron, the thing about iron, it's used to manufacture steel, and this is what the guy's name means, iron, and other alloys important in construction and manufacturing. So when I think about iron, I think about somebody that's resolute, right, or firm. Kind of goes along with, in, with endurance. But if you're going to be in business, there's a firmness you have to have, right? There's a resolve you have to have. I like what Pastor Kenneth Hagin says, I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. Maybe I didn't pray it through enough. Maybe I didn't seek God enough, but I'm going back to the throne to find mercy and obtain grace, right? And I'm going to get the word of the Lord on the situation because God will give you a strategy. And sometimes in the Old Testament, when the kings went out to get the spoil, they were conquered. But God, in his mercy, they would go say, Lord, we missed it. Some of it say just failed to ask him. What was the plan of attack? And in business, there's got to be a resolve about you, even if, you, even if you're not succeeding yet. Lord, do I have the right strategy? At AI, he said the strategy, strategy is this. You're going to put some out in front just to draw them out. 5,000 troops are going to go around back. So God will give you wisdom for a strategy to get the victory so you can live in glory. So he gave them wisdom for the strategy. Say, go around back. The other soldiers are going to pull them out, and then we're going to attack from behind. So what's the business plan that God is giving you? And you need to be resolved in it that this is what God is saying. Secondly, iron, when it comes to uh, the mineral side of it, it's, a, it's vital in the function of, uh, functioning of living organism. It transports oxygen in the blood via the hemoglobin uh, molecule. So when it comes to iron, there's a flow. You're not in business just so everything works out for you. Matter of fact, the reason they call it the Dead Sea because there's no flow. There's all income but no outgo. And so you got to remember, in Deuteronomy, I love the book of Deuteronomy because it's a book of retelling of the law. It's a book of instruction to the nation. But he said, don't ever forget that it's the power. I gave you the power to get wealth. And I was just reading a book today by, by Ed Cole, talked about a businessman uh, who was prospering, great. There was a giving grace upon him. But all of a sudden, he started listening to the wrong advice. He, he let worldly philosophy and people start talking into his life. And what they were doing was buttering him up because they wanted a piece of the pie. So they tell him how great he was, how much he deserved how he should start, uh, you, know, um, you know, taking more money from the business. And he started listening to that philosophy and got off. And pretty soon he got indicted on federal charges. But you know what? Those people from the war that consulted him, they got their money and they ran. But man, you, wanna, you don't want to forget that it's God that gave me the power to start this business. It's God that gives me the power to continue the business. And you know that as long as you're giving, right, and not harden your heart to things of God, that there's that grace will continue in your life. The other thing about iron, the third thing, so I gave you three characteristics of the female gazelle. And really, the third characteristic of iron is the third characteristic, uh, the third characteristic of the female gazelle is the same as the third characteristic of the characteristic of iron. Did you get all that? <laughs> Say that real fast. 
But iron is the most naturally magnetic of the elements. Once again, if you're in business, you got to be around people. It takes customers in order to pay for the product. If you got a bad attitude, you don't want to be around people, I'm just going to give them a piece of my mind. Go try that out for about a year in your business. Now, does that mean you can't be honest and hold your ground on things? No. There's negotiations when it comes to business. And some things you can't go so low on the bid that it's not going to make any money. That's not wise. Unless God says. The world will tell you never to drop. But if God says something, we want to go with what he says. Because he said, you just sowed that, but you're going to reap. All right? But it's magnetic, right? So there's a giving grace. There's a giving grace that's upon some of our lives. And you just want to ask, Lord, is, is this my arena in the kingdom of God? All of us should give. But upon some of us, there's an entrepreneurialism, right, that we have the gift uh, of grace to give. So I want to close this section and go into the favor grace. But I want to give you these few thoughts before we close this section. Putting yourself to work is called employment. Putting your money to work is called an investment. Putting a creative idea to work is called an invention. All right? And, and um, putting your knowledge to work is called consulting. So even in these areas, what has God put in me where I can increase in income to be a blessing? So that's giving grace. Now there's favor grace, too. Favor grace. In Psalms chapter 5, verse number 12, Psalms 5, 12, the word says this, For you, O Lord, you'll bless the righteous. Who's God going to bless? The righteous. Who's God going to bless? The righteous. So this is positional to receive God's favor. Listen to what the rest of the verse says. With favor... You will surround me as a shield. So when you stay in right position with the God Almighty, he gives you a thing called favor. He says it will encompass you from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Favor will surround you and protect you like a shield. Proverbs chapter 12, verse number 2 says this. Proverbs 12, 2 a good man, so we saw, him, saw in Psalm 12, a, he'll bless the righteous. Proverbs 12, 2 says a good man or one that's doing righteousness will what? Obtain favor of the Lord. But a man of wicked devices he will condemn. So in, in order to obtain favor from the, uh, the Lord, you need to maintain your righteousness. Remember Matthew six thirty three: seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And there's a thing called favor that he can open up in your life if you maintain a position of righteousness. And what is righteousness? It's daily obedience and willingness to do God's will. Isaiah 119 says, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. 
Kenneth Hagin tells a story about how he was doing what God called him to do. He pastored for 12 years. God told him to go out into the field and, and to minister uh, in that arena, right? And he got everything together, what he made the year prior, what he made this year after he did God's will. He said, Lord, the last year a pastor and I was better off financially than I was the first year of going out in the field and doing what you told me to do. God said, yes, but uh, he said, you know, he's, he's arguing with the Lord, basically stating his case, reasoning together with him, saying, I should be blessed doing what you told me to do. He said, yeah, the Lord said, yeah, but you don't qualify. And he took him to Isaiah 119, said, you were obedient, did what I said, but you weren't willing because really your heart wanted to stay comfortable with the parsonage, with the income that the church was giving you. And so you didn't want to step out. He said, well, it doesn't take long to get willing. <laughs> he said, I was obedient that first year, but I was my heart. And, G you know, Jesus said that your lips could be honor me, but your heart could be far from me. So there's a willingness and there's an obedience when it comes to maintaining the position with God. And the God is so good. God is so good. He'll open up favor to you. What's favor? Favor, it's a gift or a present. It's a gift or a present. It's something bestowed on you as an evidence of goodwill. It's an advantage. Favor, the favor of God gives you advantage. I was thinking about this today, and uh, just this quote, and some of you have, have experienced this because you've experienced the goodness of God. I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm doing it. Somebody in authority or position of authority or has the right to make a decision, if they've said that into your life, I don't know why. You really don't qualify for this, but I'm going to do this. That's the favor of God. Right? Hallelujah. We recently, we just bought our, our house and... Um, in the process of uh, remodeling it and getting the permits for it, right? And so in, in the permitting process, you got to have a thing called perseverance yeah. and vision <laughs> to continue that process. And so, I mean, they constantly, my wife's been a trooper, and they constantly want all this information. And, you know, they're polite. And, uh, but she just went back down on Monday, and she's, uh, we're one document short of all the things they needed. And the guy said, you know what? He basically said, I don't know why I'm doing this because I don't do this. But I'm going to turn in the paperwork. Yes. <laughs> I'm supposed to have all the paperwork before I submit it. But I'm just going to go ahead and do it today. You bring it back to me in a couple days. Favor. Yes. Amen. Now, Luke chapter 2, verse 52 says this. And Jesus, Luke 2.52, Jesus increased in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. You know, the Bible says, and I believe it's the Proverbs, when your ways please the Lord, he'll make even your enemies be at peace. With The question is, are your ways pleasing to the Lord? So Jesus, you can increase in this wisdom, stature, and favor, this goodwill, this uh, acceptance, gifts, presence, right? Exodus chapter 12, 
verses 35 through 36 shows an example of this from the children of Israel, the favor of God upon their life. It says, now children of Israel done. So listen, they're doing the word of Moses, which was the word of the Lord for them, right? So the children of Israel had done according to the word of the Lord. They had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, silver, articles of gold and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them what they requested. They plundered the Egyptians. So when your ways are pleasing to the Lord, they went out and actually said, hey, can I get your silver, your gold, right, and your clothing? And they said, yeah. That's the favor of God. Now, I, the key person we'll study when it comes to favor, because it's mentioned throughout this book, is Esther. Esther. In, in Esther chapter 2, verse number 15, now she's a Jewish woman in a Gentile land, right? And so she needs a thing called favor to operate in the purpose and the plan that God had for her. And listen, God's no respecter of persons. If you're walking uprightly before him, God will give you favor in the purpose and the plan he has for your life. So she's a Jewish woman in a Gentile nation, and she needs favor for the purpose of God. Obviously, in Esther chapter 1, the king, his uh, wife, um, had displeased him, so he gets rid of the wife and through his counsel says, uh, get some women and we'll see which one um, you know, is pleasing to you, right? So the women go through a beautification process. Esther was one of the women, and we'll see this, that, the, that was picked out you know, to be in this group of women to see who the king would choose. And Esther chapter 2, verse number 15, it's now, it said, Now when the turn of Esther, the, uh, the daughter of this person, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her for his daughter, was come to go into the king, she required nothing but what Haggai, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the woman, appointed. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all them that looked upon her, favor made her stick out. And in the plan of God for your life, as you walk up, uh, uprightly before him, favor will make you stick out. You jump down two verses, and in, in verse 17 of chapter 2, it says, The king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So that he set the royal crown upon her head. Man, how did she feel that day? And made her queen instead of his ex-wife. So the favor of God promoted her to a position. But you know what? You need the favor throughout your lifetime. Everything just wasn't hunky-dory from that point on. Because there was a person called Haman who was jealous of the, of the Jewish people. And he hated Esther's uncle, Mordecai, and he wanted to kill Mordecai. So because he had ear to the king and gave counsel to the king, he said, there's this race of uh, people, this nation of people within your kingdom that really are bent on doing you wrong. Lied to him, right? And said, you need to put a law in effect to uh, exterminate these people, kill these people. 
And this is a powerful kingdom message because once the law goes into effect by a king, it can't be revoked. So he was getting the law in effect by the king, and the king passed that law. Uh, but Mordecai said to Esther, got word to her, and said, listen, our people, even though you're in the palace and you've had favor to get to that position of queen, our people are in grave danger. So he got a message to her. He said, you need to get to the king. And you need to find mercy before the king to save our nation. And he warned her, he said, if you don't do it, and we can't get comfortable. Favor doesn't make us comfortable. Favor continues to make us reach for the purpose what God's called us to. And he see, Mordecai gave this message. He said, Esther, if you don't do it, God's going to do it. But I believe you've been born for such a time as this. And Esther said, I'll do it. She asked Mordecai and the Jewish people to pray, to fast, because the king hadn't seen her for 30 days. And she was going to go boldly. This was her life was at jeopardy because you never came into the king's presence without being summoned by the king. And the king didn't summon her, but this was uh, something she needed to do right away. And in, in uh, Esther five, uh, chapter five, verse number two, it says, and so it was when the king saw Esther, the queen standing in the court. So she approaches him without being summoned. She could have lost her life that day if the king didn't extend the scepter. The, the verse says she obtained favor in the king's sight. The king held out the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. And, in, and looking at commentaries on this, when you taught the scepter was saying you have the right to approach the throne, I've given you mercy. And your life is spared because I didn't summon you. But reading the commentary, when you were able to touch the top of the scepter, it gave you access to actually speak to the king. It reminded me of Hebrews 4, which we covered last week, which come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help in a time of need. We come to the throne, we can find mercy. That scepter could be extended. But when we get to touch the top of the scepter, we have, get to talk to the Father. In the name of Jesus, we get the audience and the access for him to listen to us and us to listen to him. And then in um, Esther chapter five, verse number eight, Esther has a plan that God gave her. So she's talking to him as she, after she touches the top of the scepter. Esther five, eight says, if I found favor in your sight, and if it please the king to grant my petition and to perform my request, let the king and Haman come to the banquet that I shall prepare for them and I will do tomorrow as the, as the king has said. So she's asking for the favor of God for him to come to a banquet and have Haman come. She wants to expose Haman, right? But it's the favor of God that gave her access. It's the favor of God that granted the request for Haman to come. So in Esther chapter 7, we see this uh, theme of favor found throughout this whole book on Esther's life. Uh, the king and Haman come to the banquet uh, that Esther's prepared for them. And Esther has a plan in place, not to just to save her life, but the favor of God reaches out and touches other people too. And the favor of God upon her is uh, 
getting a plan in place to save the whole Jewish nation. What does God have in store for your life? What favor will God grant you to fulfill the purpose and the plan for your life? Esther 7.3 says, Then Esther the queen answered and said, If I had found favor in your sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be given me at the petition and my people at my request. So by the favor she granted, she was asking, please spare my life because I'm Jewish. She identified her nationality and the nationality of her people, right? And she's asking for the king to spare their life. And in Esther 8, 5, we find the answer from the king. And, and it said, if I please the king and I found favor in your sight and the, seem, the thing seemed right before the king and I be pleasing in his eyes, let it be written to reverse the letters devised by Haman, the son of the Agite, which he wrote to destroy the Jews, which are in all the king's province. So at the king's command, what he ended up doing was giving the Jews the right to fight, to preserve their life. But favor was what gutter uh, access to the king. Favor is what got her ear to the king. Favor is what got the, the request to be granted by the king. And so favor is that goodwill and that acceptance that God will give into your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I just challenge you tonight. And my prayer for you is this, Lord, what's my assignment? What is my destiny? You've called me into your kingdom for such a time as this. And what is the plan, the purpose? I'm willing to surrender. I'm willing to stay submitted. I'm willing to stay um, obedient to the call. I'm willing to grow in the grace of God. If you call me to business, Father, I thank you for the giving grace, and I'll continue to grow in that. God, I thank you for the favor grace in my life. And I realize that favor is not just for me. It's for others around me, too. Yes. Hallelujah. And we want to operate in that favor. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word tonight. Thanks again so much for listening to this episode. If you'd like to get more of our content, you can subscribe wherever you're listening, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. You can also watch our weekend messages at youtube.com forward slash anchor faith when they air every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Subscribe to us so you never miss a message and leave us a comment or a like. It really does help. You sharing, rating, and commenting on this podcast and any of our content is the best way to keep it in circulation for others to be influenced with this message of God's kingdom. So please consider sending a link to friends and family, sharing on social media, or simply giving us a rating. And finally, if you'd like more information about Anchor Faith Church and support the work we're doing from St. Augustine, Florida in igniting the city, impacting the nation, and influencing the world, you can visit us at anchorfaith.com. Thank you.